Hello, hello, you guys. This is Megan with the VBAC link. I apologize. I sound a little hoarse today. I have totally caught a, a darn bug. I've been trying to get away from it all year, not getting sick. And apparently I I couldn't I couldn't get away with it. So here I am. I sound kind of froggy today, but that's okay. We're still gonna we're still gonna carry on. You guys, we have our friend Abby with us today, and I'm really, really excited. Because I was just telling her before we started recording, like she's just a she's just a big ball of everything. She's got a lot of amazing things to talk about and to share. And so it is such an honor, Abby, to have you on our podcast. I'm so uh, excited to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I want to just kind of talk a little bit, even before we jump into the review. And I don't want to talk too much about your story because I want to give you all the time. But have you guys heard Baby Got V back? Have you guys heard of that book? If you haven't, Go check our highlights or um, on our blog because we have it on there. And it is such an incredible, uplifting book. And guess what, Abby? I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you actually were the one that contacted us. But forever ago, someone contacted Julie and I about being in this. And we like had so much going on. I think we were like in our course and we we're like, we can't take anything more on. And we like declined the opportunity. And now we're like kicking ourselves in the pants. We're like, dang it. We should have been in this incredible book because it has so many incredible people and stories and information in it. I mean, it's amazing, right? Do you want to tell yes. us a little bit about it? Yes. So yeah, Baby Got Be Back. I don't even exactly know what is the subheader. It's like a collection of wisdom for better birth after cesarean. Yeah, an inspiring collection oh, an inspiring, of wisdom yeah. for better births after a cesarean. And it was the brainchild from a you know a VBAC mom herself, but who's mm. also a writer and an independent publisher. So she just got us all together you know, found us likely through various social media channels as things are done these days. Yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah, it's a it's a combination of, you know, VBAC stories from all different kinds of people, as well as just some awesome chapters are done by various birth professionals. So, mm -hmm. you know, some birth educators, some doulas, some chiropractors, um, PTs, you know, yeah, yeah PTs. Brittany, right. um, Brittany is in it and she's, we love Brittany. I've taken her course. Yeah. She's on our podcast. She's yeah. in it. Brittany Sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Her chapter is, is awesome. So yeah. even though, and so even though the stories are all VBAC stories, I mean, really a VBAC is a first time, you know, going yes. through the whole process and having a successful, you know, vaginal birth. So I also think it's a great um, resource for first-time parents who haven't necessarily had a cesarean in their past as well. But right. of course, it's awesome for if you're preparing for a VBAC. Yeah. And I love that you touched on that. You know, we talk about this on the podcast. Like this is a VBAC specific podcast, right? Like we discuss vaginal birth after cesarean, but it, I mean, all of us on this podcast, every, I'm telling you, like, except for maybe the providers or people who haven't had a cesarean, but all of us were in that spot of preparing and had these cesareans, right? Mm -hmm. And it is a way to learn how to avoid a cesarean 
your options for birth, your options for location mm-hmm. and all of that. And so, yes, it is VBAC specific, but it is just like this book. It is for all parents that are expecting and working and wanting to learn and and grow their education. So I love this book. It's amazing. And it's so fun to have you today on the podcast. Before we jump in, of course, we have a review of the week. So I want to hurry and review this and then I will introduce you. Sounds good. Okay, guys, this actually came in 12 days ago via email. And this is from our friend, Jessica. And she says, hello, VBAC link. I wanted to write about my appreciation of the VBAC link podcast. I had a C-section September 2020 due to arrest of descent. It definitely affected my postpartum mental health. When I found out about being pregnant in July 2022, I googled VBAC resources and found your podcast. I signed up for your emails, read your blogs, your Instagram, Facebook page stories, and listened to your podcast on my morning jogs and walks. I cried. I smiled. I empathized with the moms telling their stories and more importantly, learned so much. I followed many of the tips from you and the moms on 314, which was like not that long ago from the day that I am reading this today. I was on my morning walk listening to the last VBAC link episode and switched to my birth music playlist. Five minutes later, I started having contractions. After getting home and calling my doula, my husband, and took me to the hospital, or sorry, after calling my doula, my husband took me to the hospital and I was able to achieve my VBAC and had a baby girl. Thank you for setting up this resource. I will continue to listen to the stories even though I don't plan on having more children. I love the stories, the information, and all the passion for helping women like me. Thank you, Jess. Oh my gosh, Jessica, congratulations on your VBAC. And a little part of me is so happy that we got to be a part of your birthing day. Like that is so awesome that you were listening to these amazing stories and went into labor. So congratulations, Jessica. And yes, just like Jessica, you guys can too. You can be back too. And just like she said, we have blogs, Instagram, Facebook. We even have a private Facebook group. So if you're looking for a special space that is protected and with filled with people just like you wanting to learn more about your options for birth after cesarean, head over to Facebook and search the VBAC link community, answer the questions, and then we will get you in so you can start learning. You are tuned into the VBAC link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hi guys, Megan here. I'm not sure if you knew, but I'm a vaginal birth after two cesarean mama myself. Preparing for my VBAC was tough due to the lack of evidence-based info back then, along with where to find it. Which is why I, along with Julie, created this podcast and our signature course, How to VBAC. The course is self-paced so you can watch it whenever your kiddos are sleeping or even at school. It's filled with evidence-backed data, tips and advice to help you go after the birth you want and achieve your VBAC. 
You can find the link to the course in the show notes today or type in the browser thevbacklink.com slash vbac-class. Okay, Miss Abby. Seriously, so excited. I know. Wasn't that so awesome? That was such an awesome review. I got it and I've just left it in the inbox unread because I'm like, that's going on next week's podcast. Like, yeah, it was so amazing. I was like, oh my gosh. And we love reviews. We, we love the reviews. So I always encourage people if you, you know, maybe you don't wanting to drop it on the podcast app, that's fine. You can send it in, in an email, but we always would love a, you know, a great review so we can read it on the podcast because it makes me smile so much, like so much. I remember when Julie and I were together, we would get a review and we would just be texting and just like our cheeks would hurt. They would hurt because we're like, this is what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to inspire <laughs> and motivate people to find their options, right? Because so many people around the world feel that their options are taken away or that they are robbed of them. And that is not ever how we want anyone to feel. Um, and I do feel like through this podcast, you get to learn your options and you get to kind of take back that power that maybe once was lost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh my gosh. Well, Abby, you guys, I tell you, she is just a ball of at all. She is involved in pregnancy and postpartum and pelvic health, writing in a book, like teaches classes. She works in the hospital system. Abby, you're just amazing. So I'm going to turn the time over to you. Um, you're in Milwaukee. Is that right? I am. Wisconsin? Yep. Is that- yep. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Tell us a little bit more about, well, tell us it all. Share your story. I would love to know more about working in the hospital system and teaching birthing classes and, and stuff like that as well. And you guys, she does this all while having kiddos, little kiddos, and is expecting. So seriously, good on you, girl. You're killing it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I like to describe my life as beautiful chaos. Um, I love that. Yes. Can I, I just take that with me and be like, yeah, yes, my totally. beautiful chaos. Yeah, that beautiful is what I chaos. live. <laughs> so yeah, I am a physical therapist and I specialize in pelvic health. So I've been doing that for almost eight years. Um, Yeah. Crazy how the time goes by. And I always, I had a, a I don't know, nobody at the time that I was going to PT school, like goes into PT school thinking they want to do pelvic floor. Now people definitely do because it's becoming more common, which has just like been such an awesome progression in the eight years that I've been doing this. But I was lucky in that I was able to do an internship in pelvic floor or pelvic health before I graduated, which again, at the time was super rare. So I've been treating again in pelvic health my entire career. So really now though, my, you know, specialty or even my niche is, you know, pregnancy, birth and postpartum, Mm -hmm. um, just because that's the season of life that I'm in and just like where my passion is drawn and just where there is like such a need, Uh, you know, I mean, I could for sure argue there's a need for all pelvic health, but there's also, like I said, that the field is growing. So there's a lot of other people doing all pelvic health and there's not quite as many people focused, you know, pretty solely on pregnancy and postpartum and, you know, just that, that specific time. 
Yeah. Um, and it's it's something that like I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day and I was like, this is what you know how we have like this like six week gap like yeah. that we like, oh, you have your baby. OK, see you in six weeks. Hope you're doing OK. You know, yeah. like the two things that I wish that we could fill the gap with is mental health and pelvic PT. Like, yeah. Right. And it, it yep. just there's such a gap that needs to be filled. And so it's so good to hear that there's a little bit more like it's starting to come around where people are like focusing a little bit more in pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah. And, you know, I think I mean, obviously I like have a lot of theories about different things related to like, how do we get here? But I I just think though, like, you know, there's still this saying of it takes a village, but like mm-hmm. a lot of people really don't have the village. And I, I think that that's what has created the gap. Like you used to have your, you know, other female relatives around who mm-hmm. would make you dinners and clean your house and, you know, help you with your baby. Obviously like a little bit, we just have to live in the reality and that's why people need help and these services because that's just not the norm anymore. It's not. And we're expected to just bounce Mm -hmm. back, right? Like, Oh, you've had a baby. Okay, great. Keep going as fast as you can. Like that's how it feels. We we just had a, a mom hire us for 80 hours of postpartum. And I was like, wow, it's like amazing that you are focusing so much on your postpartum. And she's like, I want it continuous for 80 hours. And we're like, great. So we like made this work because she, her mom's from Korea. And she was like, I like people don't leave their bedroom. They don't leave yeah. their bedroom. Like they are with yeah. their baby recovering. And just like you said, like cleaning house, making food. But here we are. So many of our, our birthing, you know, stories, like they are couples and, and parents. They literally have to go back three weeks later to like normal life or work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not normal. That's not how it's meant to be. So yeah, I mean, I, I work at a hospital based clinic part-time and one of my um, projects that is, is just now really come to fruition. We're still sort of in the like pilot phase, but we're already seeing just really great, results and like in increase in referrals. And, you know, again, just these are people we would otherwise have likely not seen. Um, and so the, the program is for a PT to see moms in the hospital before they go home, not necessarily like as a rule, not as like, you can't go home until you've seen the PT, but you know, just as a, a support service. And we've started it to, uh, you know, be a standard or, or trigger a referral for anyone who's had a cesarean and anyone who's yeah. had a third or a fourth degree perineal tear. tear. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously this is the V-back link. So we talk a lot about like, well, the birth after the cesarean, but like, you know, a cesarean is a major abdominal surgery. And, you know, some people of course are expecting it and have been through it before. And that you know, obviously makes it easier a little bit just because you know what is going to happen. But, um, you know, there's, there's just about no other surgical example that you can compare to the care of a cesarean. Like, it's possible that you could have an appendectomy and see a PT in the hospital before you go home. Like, such a benign procedure, often done laparoscopically now. 
like there's there is just nothing that compares to the gap in care after a cesarean. Yeah. It's literally like, oh, we just cut open several layers of your body. You know, again, whether you were expecting it or not, you're also just recovering from being pregnant from, again, if you labored at all and then having this major surgery. Oh, and, you know, you're going to stay here for two days or three days, but now you have to take care of this other human. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like, but don't forget to take care about yourself, take care of yourself. But when you're, but also here's no direction about how to do that. Exactly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, and you know, that's slightly not fair because I don't mean to imply that like, you know, um, postpartum nurses or again, like, like that, that's not that they're not doing their job or taking good care of you. It's actually that I'm making the argument that that's why there's room for this kind of program, because mm-hmm. PTs are our movement and rehab and recovery experts. That mm-hmm. is what we do. That's what we're trained in. You know, all PTs graduating now are doctors in physical therapy. So, you know, I have a doctorate, like just yeah. like your dentist is a doctor. I am a doctor. <laughs> and, you know, so it doesn't like like I said, it's really an expertise in this area of care. And mm-hmm. that's why we're just like the most well-equipped to do that. So, yeah, I mean, and you don't have to actually even be like a pregnancy or postpartum or even really a pelvic health trained PT to do this work. You know, you could be a, a hospital, you know, based acute care or inpatient mm-hmm. therapist that's sometimes called because really you, you teach people the same sort of things that you would teach your other patients in the hospital, you know, Mm -hmm. just like early things about scar tissue healing and scar tissue work, you know, massage. Yeah. Yeah. How to lay flat in bed. Cause guess what? You're going to have to lay flat in bed when you go home, but sometimes they don't even do that. Well, for sure. How to get up, you know, how to hold your baby when you walk, if you're having pain, how to go upstairs. Again, if that's painful, what to do, you know, just really practical things that people are going to have to do after, you know, they are discharged from the hospital and go home. And yeah, I just think it's like invaluable. (laughs) And, you know, and then so obviously too, then part of our program is to at least get them scheduled for outpatient, you know, pelvic PT as well. So just to make that transition really seamless. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been really cool. And so far it's going well. <laughs> so awesome. So awesome. I hope that just all around the world that like a program like this can be implemented as a standard, right? Just a standard yep. thing, because it really is, like you said, it's invaluable and I, I also want to say like, you know, my, my nurse and my doc sent me home with like a paper that was like, keep your wound this, keep your whatever, like stuff like that, like wound care and like mm-hmm. restrictions of like, don't lift more than 10 pounds or don't lift, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this week and stuff like that. And that's so wonderful. But yeah, they're like, no one told me about the things I was going to feel or, or even encouraged walking. Like right. I, I actually, or breathing. Walk- how yeah, walking and breathing. It wasn't really encouraged. I mean, it was like, 
yeah, get up and go to the bathroom, but like, it wasn't like get up and move as much as you can within a certain range and your body, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's going to help recovery and breathing and scar massage. Never, not once ever in either of my C-sections did anyone talk about the adhesions that could happen Mm -hmm. and the scar mobilization and things like that. And that is where yeah, it lacks. We just lack so much. And so I would love to see programs like this happening all over the world. So if you are listening and you are in the medical world, this is something that you can try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it is so important. I'll I'll send you some articles that are, are being published about it. There's, yes. there's a, just a handful of PTs who are really like pioneering this work. And again, like trying to get stuff published because obviously that's how it works in the yeah. medical world. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, just to, yeah, well, just to have some yeah. journal, scientific journal yeah. articles. To, we'll drop them to, in the show notes too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So yes, yeah, so you've got the PT, you're implementing this amazing program. You've had a VBAC. Do you want to, and, and yes. you know, in the book, we talk, you talk about, and this is not word for word what you're saying, but like pretty yes. much like recognizing your birthing plan and then also recognizing your birthing location and make sure that they coincide, that they match, right? Like, mm-hmm. because if you are wanting certain things, and then you choose say, saying you're wanting epidural, right? You're not going to go to the mm-hmm. home. You're not going to have a home birth or you're not going to have a birth right. center birth or whatever. Or maybe you're like, I absolutely do not want to be induced with Pitocin. Like no matter, I don't even want to be discussed. It doesn't, I don't want it to be discussed. Then a hospital birth may not be your best option. Now I want to also say with that, sometimes, you know, it's, it's possible to avoid that, but it, doesn't always yeah go super easy. Um, it's often times where you have to fight about it. So yeah, I would love to know if you want to. If there's any highlights of your birth story or talking about birthing yeah. location and how it impacted you. Were, remind me, you were in, induced with your first four. Was it yeah. IUGR or was it yes. preeclampsia? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty common story. I uh, you know I've been I was treating pregnancy and pelvic floor and postpartum you know, before the, you know, first time I got pregnant and, you know, had taken some coursework about all this stuff. So I don't, you know, want to say that I was like cocky about birth, but I just like felt like I, you know, knew more, right. And let's say like the average person, right. But as we all know, birth is a very humbling experience. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, my first daughter was I think I went to my like 38 week appointment and you know I had been measuring fine like you know her 20 week ultrasound was fine you know I don't think I had had another one like since then but you know it was 38 weeks so my OB did the like portable ultrasound to see if you know she was vertex and and you know I don't even know I really should probably ask her she probably doesn't even remember at this point because my daughter's about to be five but you know, she just like saw something that she didn't like and her, her suspicion, I don't know if that's the word, but was that like maybe the amniotic fluid was low, you know, mm-hmm. or something, right? So she wanted me to have a real ultrasound, which I ended up doing. All of the kind of those things came back fine. Blood flow was fine. My fluid level was fine. 
but of course they, you know, measured her as well in the full ultrasound and they said she's very small, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't know why, you know, so that was their reason for wanting to induce me. So I actually, I mean, again, uh, so just, I guess, being the stubborn person that I am, I was scheduled <laughs> to give a presentation at the Wisconsin State PT conference later that week. And I was like, well, I'm not staying to be induced because I have this presentation to give in four days. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then we'll talk like, I can't, I'm not having a baby then. before then, like, whatever. So I'm sure my team already didn't like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I gave my talk on Friday. And then, I, and then we, you know, went for the non-stress test on Saturday afternoon. And that's when they told me like, yeah, you should stay and be induced. So, you know, it, it, I was really not like, you know, super early or anything. Like uh, I said, that was two a, weeks. Yeah, that was a Saturday. So she would have been like 39 weeks on Monday, I think. But really, I mean, the, my induction story is just that my body was not ready. I mean, I, I tried to do everything I could to make it slow. It just, like I said, I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. My body just was not ready. I just, I did not progress. I was doing all the things that I know how to do and teach people to do. Right. (laughs) But, you know, at that time, it just, because I hadn't gone into labor myself, you know, she just was, she just was nestled in there. And, you know, I obviously have some, I have some qualms about, you know, this saying that you hear a lot. Well, like, at least you have a healthy baby and at least, you you know, the mom is healthy, right? Like that should be the low bar. (laughs) Like that's the minimum. That's not the like goal, right? (laughs) Um, I have feelings towards that comment too. Yeah. I want to, to be Uh, honest, I kind of want to punch people. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) when they say uh, that, cause I'm like, yeah, duh. Right. Duh. Yeah. So the, you know, yeah, I, I just like the birth itself, you know, again, was not like necessarily traumatic in Uh that. I did actually choose, like, I mean, yeah, you know, they were like, okay, like, I guess you could keep going, like, I'll let you do this for however many more hours, but like, you know, this is just like, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. So I was like tired and just was like, okay, I'm just like ready to meet her. Like, let's mm-hmm. have this experience. This. So it wasn't yeah. like, you know, she was in distress and they like, rushed me to the OR, you know, it was so mm-hmm. not an emergency in that sense, but again, just like this is going to happen, whether it's yeah. right now or in a few hours. <laughs> and then right. it would probably have been more of an emergency thing because of their, you know, uh, just as a timeline of how, how that goes. So, yeah. I, you know, I would say like my trauma from the birth was more just like mental and yeah. emotional. So, you know, yeah, I mean, really from there, I just, I mean, I knew I wanted to basically get pregnant again relatively soon. Like, you know, I knew we were going to, you know, as we were starting to grow our family, we were going to, you know, do that by several children if we could. Yeah. Um, And I knew I was not going to elect to have a repeat cesarean. So, you know, basically my mindset was, well, I have to be somewhere where that's essentially not an option <laughs> unless it it's an is emergency. Absolutely necessary. Yeah. So, you know, not 
I made the choice then when I, you know, got pregnant again and my two girls, my oldest, older, my two oldest are almost 18 months apart to the day. So also like about as close as you're supposed to have babies after a cesarean. And so I chose to have my care with midwives at a birth center in town, which, you know, is not an option for everyone because sometimes it doesn't exist. Um, I know. Yeah. We've got, got you know, right now taking away midwives in the hospital even. Oh, totally. Right. Like that's all kinds of crazy. And I'll get on that fight, you know? Yeah. I mean, actually, so now I'm pregnant again. So we're uh, expecting our fourth in July and my, so I'm still with the midwives at the same birth center. So, you know, preparing for my third VBAC, Yay. even though I've now had two successful vaginal deliveries, I'm still like, I'm always, yep, always considered a, a VBAC, VBAC patient, yep, yep. which is just, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. There's obviously like, it's a definition, but still it's yeah. just crazy. But it's weird to there's think, like, like risk associated cons- with it. Yeah. Yes. And so that risk, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that this is just like the, you know, insurance that my midwives use, but their insurance company charges them $1,500 just for accepting a Stop VBAC it. client. Are you Sorry. serious? Right. It's completely insane. And so that's new. Like it wasn't, that wasn't true for my last two. You know, it's new for this one. And yeah, so that's crazy. It's like I said, it's a definition, but it's always going to be with me no matter how many children I have. And I just think like, that's sort of one of the things of like informed consent too. Like you just don't realize how that's going to affect you. Yeah. Uh, You know, anyway. Not that, again, I would have chose differently in the moment, but it's just, like I said, just things that you don't think about and you don't realize are, you know, going to affect your childbearing experience for then the rest of that time. Yes. (laughs) And on the other end, effect could potentially affect a provider's like ability or choice to accept, right? Like these, these midwives could say $1,500 a person, like we can't we're not going to do this because we don't want to up our prices or we can't pay or we can't take, you know, whatever this, Mm -hmm. we can't take the risk that the insurance is putting on us. Not that they're scared of the risk of everything, you know, out of hospital with the VBAC, but like that could change. That could impact things so much as well. Very much. Yeah. Oh, makes me me sad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when my kids are, you know, maybe a little older, just after I have this one and can like think about things after that, I'm going to, that's my next thing. I'm going to need to get embroiled in the like legal battles of this and just be like, this is totally ridiculous. (laughs) That is what I want to do. Like if I, I always say like, I have like a bucket list of like, if I have all the time in the world, you know, like Mm -hmm. I have these bucket lists and implementing, there's so many things surrounding and it's, it's birth. It's, it's where I'm at in right. birth, right? And I'm even done having kids, but as a doula and stuff, I'm seeing mm-hmm. this as listening to these podcast stories. I'm like, we need to make change. And I yep. would love to start facilitating more change in policies and things like yeah. that. So one day when I have all the time in the world, that okay, is well, that yeah. we'll just 
we'll, we'll get just, there together. We'll get together again. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll get together yeah. again and start making some change. So, I mean, we are moving in a forward progress. Like there's change. We happening. are. But yeah. So, okay. I'm going to bounce really quickly back to some PT really quick. I would yes. love to know any tips that you would like to share with our listeners. You you mentioned like, yes, we're the VBAC links. So we're talking about birth after cesarean, but what kind of PT things can we do prior to? Because I know for me, I didn't even think, it didn't even cross my mind that I should consider a PT, a pelvic floor PT before giving birth. Sure. And then of course, after having my cesarean, again, I told you like there was nobody to tell me anything about anything. And then here I go and have another cesarean, right? And then even that, I still didn't. So I had two cesareans and not knowing anything. So any tips for previous and or after that you could give anybody? Yeah. So, you know, really in my ideal world, every person sees a PT in her first pregnancy. And the reason for that is because your body, of course, just has to make these natural changes Mm-hmm. In your posture, you know, your your various muscle groups have to change to accommodate yes. the growth of the baby. That changes your center of gravity and center of motion, which affects how you move in all yeah. aspects of movement. Again, mm-hmm. like I said before, like PTs like me are the experts in movement. And, you know, again, it's not to imply that there is, you know, that somebody currently is not doing their job, but... Mm-hmm. Nobody else is looking at that. So right Right. now I would say, you know, uh, uh, providers I would, you know, would just say are generally pretty good about, you know, offering a PT referral. And again, with things like social media, you know, people are advocating for themselves, you know, better Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they're pretty good about, about putting something in, like if a patient raises an issue, right? oh, I'm having this back pain or I'm having Mm -hmm. pubic symphysis pain, I'm having hip pain, I'm, you know, I'm having bladder leakage, you know, whatever, right? X, Y, Z things. And again, you know, yes, if you have some, if you are experiencing some symptom in your pregnancy like that, that you think could be muscle or posture related, you should see a PT. But like I said before, I really think that everyone deserves that consultation because again, the natural changes that are happening are natural and we're not going to stop them, but I can teach you strategies to mitigate the effects of that. You know, how to consciously, how to use your abdominal muscles and the connection between your diaphragm and your, you know, deep abdominal muscles and your pelvic floor and your glutes and You know, how are you sitting at your desk or how are you standing? How are you, you know, and, and starting those things when you're pregnant, then carry over Mm -hmm. to how you move postpartum, you know, and uh, obviously postpartum is a lot, you know, it's hard for a lot of reasons, but to also have pain, (laughs) Or, you know, these other symptoms in, you know, any bladder or bowel, Mm -hmm. uh, pelvic pressure, you know, sort of symptoms is just going to make it harder. (laughs) And so, you know, again, I really think by learning about these things consciously and, and applying, you know, specific strategies, you know, even if you're, 
if you're the pregnant person who is exercising and runs, you know, right up until the day she gave birth, like that's obviously wonderful. And I fully support you. And, you know, again, maybe it's just this one time consultation, you know, sometime around, I usually say like the beginning of the third trimester is, is a good time to do it. You know, you you meet the PT, we talk about these strategies and things to implement, you know, for the rest of the pregnancy. And then now you've met that person and you've had a relationship with them. And now that's, you know, so you at least have a resource then postpartum to be like, oh, you know, Abby mentioned like this could happen. And guess what? It's happening. Now I know, like, I'm just going to call her and get on her schedule instead of like, you know, Dr. Google in the middle of the night when you're nursing Which and all this XYZ I stuff comes know. up. Which you and know. a lot of the times it says it's normal. It's yeah, normal right. to have these things. It's like, normal. oh, well, duh, yeah. you just had a baby. Yeah, it's normal. It's like, no, 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 no. And and two, like I want to talk about like before, I just want to mention, I guess not talk about, but I want to mention there are ways like athletes, right? Like yep. sometimes athletes we have these tighter pelvic floors mm-hmm. and we need to actually learn how to calm and release for effective yep. pushing so we yep. don't have more damage and so one of the big things that i think is really good like you said even if it's this once is coming mm-hmm. in and learning about your pelvic floor your mm-hmm. actual pelvic floor not just the pelvic floor in general your pelvic floor yes. and learn where you're at and do some practice pushes and do some you know, learn some breathing techniques and learn Mm -hmm. what's normal, learn learn what's not. So you're not on Google thinking that your uterus is falling out. You know what I mean? Like it it can go that extreme where you're like, I'm having this, you Google it and it's like pure panic, which is not going to help anything. It's not going to help recovery. It's not going to help our mental health. It's not going to help breastfeeding if you're breastfeeding because we're stressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy how there's a cycle, right? It's a domino effect. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I think it's so, so important as well. And I wish I would have known that. Like I yeah. wish I would have known that. And I, I did that with my, with my son, uh, with my VBAC babe. And uh, yeah, I, <laughs> there was a lot to learn. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, while I'm like so grateful when I, you know, get clients that are done having children and they're like, I'm finally like prioritizing me. Like I've been yes. having these symptoms, like since I was pregnant or since the birth of my first or whatever, like, I'm like, yes, good for you. Like, I'm so glad that you're here, but it's yeah. also just like, it breaks my heart because I really think that maybe the symptoms are not entirely preventable. The dysfunction is not entirely preventable, but potentially it could have been less Yeah. or you know, or again, like, you know, now these women have lived. Yes. What, you know, X number of years. Yep. Three, one, three, five, 10, 15, 20. I know. Years. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I just, like I said, I, I really think that early intervention is key. And, yeah. uh, you know, again, the changes happen in your first pregnancy, even mm-hmm. if you don't necessarily have symptoms in your first postpartum period. Yes. Yes. And that's a thing. Like, is it possible to not have any symptoms, but to have some pelvic dysfunction or pelvic yeah. issues or scarring or, you know, like, especially with 
C-sections. Like I have a friend that was like, I have never had a diastasis recti or diastasis. It depends on yep. who, how you say it, right? Yep. I've never had pelvic floor issues. I've never had adhesions. I don't have adhesions. She's had, you know, multiple cesareans and says like, I, I do not have adhesions. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you probably do. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like they, she says she has no symptoms. But then sometimes I wonder, I'm like, do you know what symptoms? Right. Like, are you are you just living with things? Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. and so it can. Uh, right. I mean, and obviously, yes, like that can definitely be true. The symptoms don't have to be so severe that they, you know, are really affecting your day to day life or quality of life. That's, of course, usually when people seek care, when they're just like so fed up with it. <laughs> but, you know, that there there can be sort of like sneaky symptoms, you know, or, or again, things that people view as just like a not that bad, but that I would consider are not normal. Right. You know, or I mean, it's just our new normal because we had a baby. Yeah. And we're being told. I mean, that. knowing Sometimes where every bathroom told. is in the stores that you go to, like it's it's actually not normal. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you have a map of where the bathrooms are in your brain. Yeah. You know, now again, the same argument maybe could be made for people who are potty training their children, but uh, right. that's different. Okay. They're learning for the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or like the second you walk into a store, the first thing you say is, where's the bathroom? I got to go. The, right. Where's the bathroom? I got to go to the yeah. bathroom. Yeah. You know, so like that's a symptom of, you know, again, and, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, mm-hmm. you can change yeah. that, you know, right. Again, some, I mean, this was certainly true for me and I did lots of scar work and stuff, but like, I basically could not wear normal pants or jeans, definitely not jeans, you know, until like I was postpartum with my second and that had like all been stretched out again and uh-huh. like was slightly less sensitive. Yeah. Uh, you know, so again, like that's a modification that I made and that lots of people make. Like you just, yeah. uh, you know, and that sort of becomes your new normal yes. and you just sort of forget about, but it's like, oh, well, I would just never wear jeans. Well, that's not normal. Why? Is it because you didn't want to? Or is it because you didn't really feel like you could or you weren't comfortable? Yeah, right. So what types of signs would, just for our listeners, because sometimes, right, we're we're in the spot of like, I don't, do I have, do I have anything? You know, what kind of signs and symptoms are maybe one, like a sure sign of like, okay, if you like, if you are finding the restroom, the second you walk into a store, this is a sign like, yes, 100%. Yep. But maybe so what maybe we'll go from like extreme, like guaranteed, this is a sign to like more of the subtle hidden. Could this be a sign? Um, sure. Yeah. What symptoms and what signs would you say for people? Listening? Um, so anything obvious, any sort of daily pain, like mm-hmm. you have pain every day, anywhere, again, related to pregnancy and postpartum hip pain, low back pain, uh, you know, people will say SI pain, which is your sacroiliac joint. So the mm-hmm. back, but the back, mm-hmm. you know, lower down in your butt, you know, pubic symphysis pain. I don't know if I already said tailbone pain, no, um, yeah. you know, so if you feel like you cannot sit on any surface for any given period of time, and it's because like your butt is hurting again, not normal. 
Um, or like even pressure, like you're mm -hmm. like standing up. I I remember like after I had my baby, I'd be like standing up and then I would want to sit. This is so weird. I know, but I would want to sit like on the corner of something like right at like the vaginal opening to like support it and push up. Like, you know what I mean? Or like fill my hand. Like, Oh, I just like look like a little girl that needs to go pee, but I'm just pushing because I'd have this pressure after walking more than 30 minutes or standing more than 30 minutes. And then sometimes even just going to the restroom, I'd be like, Oh, I've got some pressure there. Yeah. Yep. So that's a, that's a common symptom of like the medical diagnosis we call pelvic organ prolapse. But again, it, and so if you Google that, it can seem like, oh my gosh, yeah, like things are falling out of me. Mm -hmm. But again, that's not, that's not necessarily abnormal, especially in postpartum, because all those organs were shifted while you were pregnant. So some of it is Mm -hmm. just them like settling back into place. Some of it is that your ligaments are still relaxed from the, from again, what your body does in order for us to have babies. And, and some, so some of that for sure continues postpartum, especially if a person is breastfeeding that laxity, but again, so it's just, yeah, it's like learning strategies about how to help that. So certainly, yeah, pressure, heaviness, you know, again, any obvious bladder and bowel stuff, like if you for sure had to go change your underwear and pants after you sneezed again, not normal, not normal, <laughs> yes. you know, even, you know, if you're a year postpartum or, you know, six months, a year, 18 months, two years, five years, whatever. And you are one of those people that's like, oh, I can't go jump on the trampoline with my kids. I can't run. Like I had to stop running. You know, that's again, it's not normal. We can help you. (laughs) What about even so inability to hold your core and like, because uh-huh. it's like a big plumb line, right? Like it's all connected. Yep. So if we have this ability to like, we, we had this ability to maybe hold a plank or run a ride a bike. And we were able to hold our core in and not feel it like release mm-hmm. and start yep. taking pressure in our back. But now all of a sudden we've had this baby and we're a year, two years, even three years or more down the line. And we're like, geez, why like, do I still look pregnant? Why do I still look abs? pregnant? Where are my abs? Why can't I hold a plank for 60 seconds anymore when I could hold it for three minutes? You know, Um, would you say that's connected? I mean, I feel like I know the answer, right? But um, to to your pelvic floor. Yeah. So that's, you know, you mentioned diastasis or diastasis. It doesn't matter how you say it. I know everyone says that's the condition you're, you're describing, which again is almost everyone has a little bit of that the yes. last several weeks of pregnancy because it's related to the baby growing but it's really it's a it's a pressure management problem and yeah. again tissue laxity muscle coordination problem postpartum yeah. well and i um recently have been i recently was what reviewing my op reports over some things and this is something, so talking about cesarean, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't think pelvic floor naturally because we didn't have sure. the head come out of our vaginal canal, right? Yep. Like we don't think that. And we don't think abs as much either. I think a lot of the times, even though like, okay, 
we were cut down low, but sometimes I feel like our minds are like, I wasn't pushing and like using Mm -hmm. my abs in my cesarean, but listen, this is one of, and sorry, little disclaimer. It's a little, it's a little, um, it's a little aggressive. Okay. (laughs) Um, I mean, all of pelvic floor therapy is TMI and it's, you know, it's, it's an, it's a no judgment zone and no topics are off limits. Well, and and I don't want anyone to just got to put it out there. Yes. And I don't want to feel, I I don't want anyone to feel triggered by the the words that I'm using because the words that I'm using are straight off of my op reports, but this is how they describe. This is my first C-section. This is how they describe things. It says the fascia opened in the middle and extended laterally with Mayo scissors. Fascia was separated from rectus muscles, superior and inferior with sharp and blunt dissection. Rectus muscles were entered sharply and opened and then extended bluntly. Yep. So this, this is on. And then the low incision was made above the bladder. So they, which where they go on. Right. Yeah. But like I, I read, I was dissected. Yep. Bluntly. With sharp scissors. Yep. Right? Like my abdominal muscles were literally stabbed and cut through. As I've been reading this, I mean, I am nine years. Okay. So my, this was my first C-section and she's 11. Nine years ago tomorrow, um, as of this recording is my sec, the anniversary of my second cesarean, the birthday of my second cesarean daughter. And I'm like, Okay, uh, I am. Okay, yeah. nine, 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 11 to nine years later, yep. and I have abdominal issues and I have pelvic floor issues and I'm working on things and I have pain with um, intercourse sometimes that I would have uh-huh. never related to my pelvic floor, right? All uh-huh. of these things. And then I read this and I'm like, well, no, flipping way. No uh-huh. wonder I have a diastasis recti way above my belly button because mm-hmm. it was manually cut with sharp scissors. And so mm-hmm. I, I want listeners, I want you to know that if you had a cesarean and you're not having any pain, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean your body hasn't received trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, it, it means it has, if you've had a cesarean, yeah. it has. And you may benefit from pelvic floor more than you ever know. Pelvic floor PT, like you may benefit Mm -hmm. more than you will ever know. And if you haven't learned about scar mobilization and things like that, it's time. It's time to learn about it. So yeah. Any other symptoms? I know we're cutting short in time, but any other symptoms that you would say, listeners, if you're experiencing this, go check out your local PT. Yeah. I mean, it could... It can be things like your C-section scar can cause shoulder pain because Uh of that word you used, fascia. Fascia means connective tissue. It's basically the thing that connects the whole body. Any good pelvic floor therapist is going to look at your, you know, your whole body. Going to look at you from head to toe. You know, people typically, you know, you mentioned pelvic floor tightness can have jaw pain. Feet issues, so like plantar fascia issues. Again, there's mm. that word fascia, right? Fascia, like yeah. it's your pelvis is in the middle of all these areas. So it's yes. a, you know, it's a 
it's a highway interchange for, for things to happen. So again, it, yeah, it, it doesn't, you might have sort of a like collection of weird symptoms that you maybe didn't put together as related, related to pregnancy and birth and postpartum. And maybe you're even seeing another PT and you've made some progress, but you know, there's still like, again, whatever sort of issue, like, you know, it might be worth it just to, again, have a consult and, and have that area checked out yeah. or, or just be looked at from that perspective. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Such good information. And always women of strength, remember you never have to deal. You never have to deal with this. You don't, you, don't, you can take care of yourself and I encourage yeah. you to do things for you. Like Abby was saying, like, she's like, yay, you're finally coming in. You're finally taking care of yourself, but dang it. It's taken so long. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am guilty of that in so many areas. Yeah. And again, like that's not your fault though. Right. Like, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, it's a problem with our, you know, healthcare system. And again, it's not even the individual provider's fault, but you know, that's why I'm working so diligently and passionately to to yes. make it more of a standard, because like I said, I just think, you know, everybody deserves this care really, you know, again, just because you were pregnant, it doesn't even really matter how your yeah. birth went, your, you know, yes. how it went will mean different things, will do different things and address different things, but some of it will be similar because again, the common denominator is that you were pregnant. That you were <laughs> you pregnant. grew a baby yep. in your body. Your body changed. Your body made amazing changes and did an amazing yeah. thing. And yeah. it is okay to give back to yourself and yes. thank yourself, thank your body for mm-hmm. doing this amazing thing multiple times for a lot of people, right? Yep. It's so important. So, oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing these tips and a little bit about your story and choosing our birth location and all the things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I guess I I didn't really even get to my V-back but you can read it in the book. Yes. (laughs) Just pick up a copy of the V-back book. Pick up a copy. (laughs) Baby Baby got (laughs) V-back right here. You can find it in our show notes today. You can find it on our blog. You can find it on our Instagram highlights. You can Google it. You whatever. We got it right here. Baby got V-back. It's an amazing one. So thank you so much. And good luck for this Thank next you. amazing journey. Um, this next yeah. feedback, your third feedback. And yes, thank you again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I I could talk about this all day long. So right, we could have hours <laughs> and hours of podcasts. We'll just have to have you on again after your third feedback, and we'll just share sounds good a little bit of each feedback. Now that we know, right? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.